Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Mark Dolan and welcome to Headliners, your nightly romp through tomorrow's papers. Uh, Joining me tonight are two very funny people. One of them has double X chromosomes and the other has XY. It's not easy to decipher who's who because they both sit down when they have a wee. It's Diane Spencer and Josh Howie. And I know that because I've been on holiday with Josh Howie. And he's old school. Uh, Great to have you both. Lots of stories to get through, but let's start with tomorrow's front pages. And we will begin with the Daily Mail, if we may. Thank you, Daryl. And um, (coughs) an important headline, which, of course, is going to dominate, sadly, for months to come. Fix the cost of living crunch or lose the election. A male poll reveals the toll of soaring prices and delivers a stark warning to the Prime Minister. Also beat the squeeze with the Mail, unmissable new series by top money-saving expert Jasmine Bertels. Um, good friend of uh, GB News, regular contributor to this channel. OK, next up, I believe we've got The Telegraph. Liz Truss, we will give Moldova weapons to stop Putin. And huge backlog of power of attorney cases as civil servants work from home. The Guardian revealed police chiefs to apologise for racism. Police chiefs are to declare they're ashamed and will apologise for racism, discrimination and bias still plaguing law enforcement. FT, Wall Street stocks hit bear territory. Inflation fears spark sell-off. S&P 500 down 20% year on year. Pain spreads beyond the tech giants. And rail groups prepare emergency plans as unions vote on the biggest strike in 30 years. The Daily Mirror next. Rishi's riches as families struggle with the cost of living. Sunak and wife on rich list with £730 million fortune. Rail strike chaos looms, say the Times newspaper. Unions threaten biggest walkout in modern history. They're running that story that we saw previously in the FT. Disruption could empty supermarket shelves. Good news for Jamie Oliver, who's worried about buy one, get one free on healthy Sorry, unhealthy food. Um, He is campaigning in front of number 10. Pictured there with an eaten mess dessert. Not happy that the government is temporarily rowing back on its anti-obesity plans because of the cost of living crisis. The Express next. Uh, The Rishi list. Sunak joins the UK's wealthiest. Also, royal families secretly house refugees. The royal families secretly open their doors to desperate refugees seeking sanctuary from the brutal war in Ukraine. And Dame Deborah, our English rose. Fantastic uh, story there about Deborah James, a broadcaster who was sadly diagnosed with cancer many years ago. She recorded an amazing podcast. Uh, She's written a book. She's written lots and lots of uh, articles about her ordeal and she's being cared for now. It's palliative care and she's been made a dame and she's a remarkable 
inspiring figure and a very beautiful lady to boot. The Sun next, exclusive, make love, not war. I'm doing my bit on the side for Ukraine. A dad of two has run off with a Ukrainian refugee just 10 days after he and his partner welcomed her into their home. Security guard Tony Garnett walked out on his partner Lorna after falling head over heels for Sophia Kardakim. Tony from Bradford, West Yorkshire, said last night, we are planning the rest of our life together. Well, there's somebody that never wants this war to end. I might speak to Mrs Dolan about bringing some people into the house. <laughs> be nice to see a photograph first, just for security, <laughs> security reasons. Nothing else. The Daily Star now. I'm all right, Knack. Chancellor who keeps telling us he can't help out with the cost of living crisis is named as the 222nd richest Herbert in Britain. The Rich List. Um, spare a thought for impoverished Chancellor Rishi Sunak, who has to endure the cost of living crisis with £730 million in the bank. Bless. And those are your headlines. And we start with shocking news from Saturday's Mirror. We're being ruled over by a wealthy man. This is highly unusual. It's going to take some getting used to, isn't it, Diane? Yes, it's, it's, it's a lot to swallow, really, isn't it? When you sort of... We have the cost of living crisis, we have soaring inflation, and yet our Chancellor of the Exchequer is the first frontline politician to make it onto the Sunday Times rich list with the £730 million fortune he has. I mean, good grief. It's sort of... It just gets you, doesn't it? And, and this list is talking about all the billionaires. And, and this comes after he's saying, oh, everybody, it's going to be tough. Is it? Because no matter what he says, you think, I don't think you quite understand, Rishi. Like, all this says to me is there's going to become, there's going to have one of those awkward photo opportunities is going to come up again. Mm. He's going to make another cringy one where he tries to prove that he's normal like everybody else. Like he'll be there trying to buy a can of beans or something, but instead of taking it through the scanner, he'll just sort of like plop it into the basket and just waltz on out, like thinking it's Amazon Fresh or something. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see Rishi being tackled by one of the security guards at Asda, but it's... I mean, what can you say? I mean, we need the billionaires to start spending their money, but not in a Bruce Wayne fashion. Because that always annoyed me about Batman. Like, you had this billionaire who had all this money, and what does he do with it? He runs around at night, dressed in lycra, solving crimes, whereas he could actually just spend his money to make a better police force full of Batmans. You could have a thousand Batmans. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Batman is just a midlife crisis, really. Massively just, the whole so. Thing. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a personal and emotional meltdown. Um, is there a sexist element to this story, though, given that Ooh. most of the money belongs to Mrs Sunak? Oh, so what would you say the sexist element is? Well, it's this idea, isn't it, that, you know, because his wife is rich, it's somehow his money. I mean, they are oh. separate sovereign individuals. So she's the heir to a billion-pound fortune. Her family are Indian entrepreneurs. So he's worth a few million. She's worth many hundreds of millions. So is it a bit sexist just to say, oh, he's rich? It's her money. Well, but did they sign some kind of prenup? Is a, is a question. Like, do they have mm. some sort of uh, thing in place? Whereas, you know, if uh, if they go their separate ways, a la, you know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, 
and she decides to take revenge in the bed. God, every relationship for you is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Right now it is, mate. That's all it is. But, uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is the lens through which Diane Spencer sees the world. And At the moment. And Batman. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> Quite a colourful place, my mind. I'll be honest. But I mean, it's not, Josh. How it's not his money. Technically, it's his wife's money. Mm. Is that an important distinction? Or no, not? I think. I mean, look, they're married. They have that money together. I personally think it's actually a really good thing to have one of the super rich at the front line of governments because <laughs> because he can then see and understand what their needs are. You know what I mean? No one's asking about. Everyone's always like, "What's a pint of milk?" <laughs> And how much is a litre of petrol? No one's saying how much is a kilogram of caviar? How much is a crate of Dom Perignon? You know what I mean? And he knows the answers. The the, the price of Lamborghinis. I mean, that would be a great gotcha question on on BBC Question Time, wouldn't it? Keir Starmer's not going to be able to answer that. Excuse me, excuse (laughs) me. Really, going to get that straight away. Yeah. How much is a Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow? Answer me that. Yeah. So soon next, I got this, 250 grand. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've got three in the garage. Yeah. However, isn't this a bit small-minded, the politics of envy? Why is your bank balance an arbiter of the extent to which you know what people are going It's just the level to which you can have empathy for other human beings. Yeah, that's identity politics, which I... Well, I don't know if it is identity politics, it's about... You're against Josh Howard. I am against identity politics. I'm a poor person, so I understand the poor. No, I think think it's just harder to... I think it's harder to genuinely have an understanding of what it's like for people who are genuinely struggling. That would be my... But, you know, I think... I I wonder... Look, I've got my work cut out defending a billionaire, haven't I? But... (laughs) I I like that you're doing it, though. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Rishi Sunak, it wasn't his idea to shut the country down for two years. He was Chancellor of the Exchequer. I mean, yes, he could have resigned from the government, but, you know, if you're Chancellor, if you lock people up and tell people not to go to work, you've got to have furlough, that costs all his money. So... He's reluctantly had to do all of these things. And, and so, rel- so reluctant. He's, he's created... Well, I mean, we've, we've heard there was pushback. So apparently mm. he, he actually ganged up against the Prime Minister just before Christmas with Lord Frost and Jacob Rees-Mogg. That's a boy band from hell, isn't it, by the way? Right? Mm. That was like, if, if the Adams family did boy bands, <laughs> Rees-Mogg, Sunak, <laughs> Frost... But uh, um, he talked uh, Boris Johnson out of cancelling Christmas because of the yeah. impact on the economy. Uh, so we, we know that he's been a, a sceptic to some of these measures, but reluctantly cracked on with it. Um, but the bottom line is that, you know, he's got a brain. He understands the economy. His concern, when he says to people, there's not much we can do, he's just telling the truth, isn't he? Because what can you do now? to fix the cost of living crisis. If you give money to people, that involves more borrowing, which is more cash printing, which is more inflation. I think there are things that he can do. I do uh, I do think the windfall tax is going to be done anyway eventually. And I do think that they could be doing some more targeted... They're saying, oh, the system doesn't work with universal credits. They can't... That's just... It's not true. The fact is, to the families, and they can identify them very... And we're not talking... You know, millions of you know, maybe it's like a million people or whatever, which yeah. you know, out of fifty million or sixty million isn't. Mm. But they get those target those particular families who are on three jobs, who have got a bunch of kids or whatever it is, whatever their life choice is, they are super struggling. Those people can be helped, and he can do that. And it's not talking about giving mm. everybody a big furlough and everybody a big cash day, and because mm. and, the fact is, when they do these. Um, cuts or they do, you know, it, it, everybody benefits. And there are a lot of people who don't actually, aren't struggling as much. It, it is tricky, though, because these measures, I mean, I totally agree, we should identify those at, at most need, and I think that will happen. But everything, all help is inflationary at the moment. So it is a bit like putting out a fire with petrol. 
And this is a grim economic reality. This is the situation we're now in. Hmm? Okay. All right, then. <laughs> but look, I, I hope I'm wrong. Well, and I certainly, I'm certainly not against doing everything that we can to yes. fix this, because people are choosing between heating their home and feeding their kids. It's a nightmare. Yes, and do you know what? what you could actually say that um, publishing the Sunday Times Rich List at this particular point in history is a rather inflammatory Yeah, because thing all those people who are struggling <laughs> are going out to buy the Sunday Times when they could be eating their home. <laughs> well, exactly right. Although you can burn it. I mean, there's yes. a lot of paper. It's, it's, oh, and it's, it's so big. Mm. It's so big. Do you know, if you get a big broadsheet and you really like scrunch it, roll it up, you can essentially make a torch. It's fabulous. Wow. I don't know how you can still buy broadsheets. It's all about GB <laughs> News, all about <laughs> the, the TV. Who the buys the oldest <laughs> joke for you, which is that um, Donald Trelford was the editor of The Observer and Andrew Neil was the editor of The Sunday Times. And it was in Private Eye. And Donald Trelford said, uh, my paper's better than yours. And Andrew Neil said, mine's got more sections. And it was some kind of rather, you know, <laughs> innuendo-laden yeah. remark. Oh, but boy, boy, we laughed. Now let's uh, let's see if we can crack through. No, I got it. Mine's bigger than yours. Anyway, yeah. we'll go back. That's that's another story. Um, Saturday's independent. Russia not happy with Finland. Josh, that's it. So after Finland has uh, applied officially to NATO, surprise, surprise, they're cutting the gas. Uh, uh, Russia's cutting the gas, uh, gas to Finland. So I'm actually really starting to go off Putin at this point. Yeah, I know. It's, it's taking a long time. Soon he's going to... Are you going to cut up his portrait or something? He's losing me now. Are you going to yeah. take down the portrait behind your office and actually cut it up on air? Is I'm that just, what you're saying? I'm beginning to regret the permanent tattoo. <laughs> Mrs Dolan said, but go you know, henna. She said, go henna. But you know what you can do, mate, is just add a little blonde bob to it and then it becomes his daughter. Amazing. But, yeah, ba make it into a sort of, baller, uh, sort of ice skater or whatever. She really looks like him. It's kind of... It's kind of I, discerning. I did, I did notice <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. She's unlucky enough to share his DNA. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a good look. Yeah, from the neck up. Oh, that's <laughs> grim, isn't it? Um, so this is what a bully will do, which this is, what is to, yeah. to punish people for um, essentially protecting themselves. Absolutely. And fortunately, they have been preparing for this. Not that much of their, uh, their, ga their gas is all from Russia, or has been from Russia, but it only is 5% of their total energy needs. So now they're actually going to get their gas from um, Estonia. And um, this, is, this, is what they, this is what they expected. So uh, they said that the, uh, the, um, the person who runs their, the, the, the company, the main uh, mm. country's uh, gas company, says, um, as long as there are no disruptions in the gas transmission network, we'll be able to supply all our customers. I don't think that's a clever idea to give yeah. Putin ideas. Don't give that away. Don't don't say that. Just keep that yeah. to yourself. As mate. long as this one pipe is working, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll be okay. Yeah. No, not good. Not good. This, this looks to potentially be the, the you know the worst strategic and military decision in the last hundred years from Vladimir Putin. Mm. Um, because I mean, you know, here's hoping that, that that in the end he goes back to Moscow with his tail between his legs and loses the war. Yeah, but. Either way, the world is now regrouped against Russia when it comes to energy independence and countries that weren't in NATO joining NATO. You could say it's backfired for old Vlad, couldn't you? It's backfired horrendously. And I feel like this is him still trying to play the game of business as usual. He's trying to pretend that Russia is still operating as all the other countries are operating. Oh, well, it's only because you didn't pay us in rubles that we're stopping this. It has nothing to do with you signing up to NATO because he's gone backwards and forwards on the way he feels about that. He's actually flip-flopped quite a bit. I like the way it's very, very, you're very good 
dance. Thank I need you. To That's what a uh, yeah. degree in drama does for you. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so it was almost like you were sort of... Loughborough University? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Money well spent. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. I mean, mainly they... If she's old enough where you didn't actually have to pay for it back then. She's <laughs> good for age. So um, I do feel like this is uh, Putin's way of saying, oh, no, look, see, look, this is we're just being a normal country, behaving mm. as a normal country would, you know, because he still hasn't even openly admitted that it is a war. Uh, which is actually also serving to his detriment because the soldiers that are now refusing to fight or return to the front lines are not being prosecuted as they would be mm. were it wartime. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And this thing about rubles is a big deal because they need he needs to be paid in rubles yeah. because, because it's an artificial uh, currency. If he was paid in dollars and then they tried to change it into rubles, it'd be, like, worth nothing. Yeah. So that's why they're ins he's insisting that he gets the rubles, but... You ain't getting those rubles. You ain't getting those rubles. It ain't happening. It goes from bad to worse. And here's hoping that continues. Mm. Saturday's Telegraph now. And Josh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a new virus. <laughs> yeah, I think... I'm so over COVID. <laughs> you need a new viral video, is what you need. I really do. Omicron's been very disappointing. Yes, exactly. It's good. But good news. Phew. <laughs> monkeypox. Good old monkeypox. Those Chinese have been messing around with those monkeys in that God. fish market. <laughs> and we've got a whole new thing coming on. I'm told that a monkey had relations with a bat. Is yes, that right? Exactly. What? That's that's exactly in what happened. In a lab. Trump was there this time. Uh, what a it's day the, in the, lab. the Chinese monkey pox. So is virus. the monkey pox re a real thing? It's a it's a real yeah. thing. Um, and Spencer, have you had it? Uh, no, I haven't, thank goodness. Good. Monkeypox so, is very different you're looking, from... You do look a touch pale tonight. <laughs> a touch? <laughs> I've noticed the hives. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, nobody can see me from the waist down. Um, well, it's, uh, but it's, you're a bit bumpy tonight. Well, it, it could be. It's, it's a little bit scary. It's linked to a super spreader event, uh, an adult sauna... And uh, there is linked are we, to. A, are we out of comedy now? Well, this is it. I'm afraid, no. Erotic events in Antwerp and Madrid, which is weirdly where I went on holiday, both places a couple of weeks ago. You've got a bit of a cough, haven't you? Got a bit of a cough, got some lesions. Also, uh, your, your hands have got a lot hairier since you came on air. That's uh, the monkey. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> technically part of it. Uh, that might just be. <laughs> I don't want to say what that is. I saw him eating a banana. Oh, my gosh. It's all happening. So, there have been... Uh, Spain has had 30 monkeypox cases, and it's linked to a single, single sauna uh, in, uh, in the nation's capital. And let's just say that the sauna was not part of a gym. I mean, we probably shouldn't be laughing about this, but I, I actually... It's fine. I take the view, <laughs> Diane, that, that we've had two years of the pandemic, and I mm. think the public are just weary now about any future health emergencies. I think if the bubonic plague were to come back, people are like, yeah, whatever, I'm well, done. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, I mean? no, How many more out. public health measures can we, can we deal with, you know what I mean? Well, this is one that, is... Is that very naughty? No, 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 not at all. And this one is quite uh, obvious, I would say, because it could very easily be misinterpreted as an STD, mm. because it's often passed through sexual contact, lots of rubbing, lots of saliva and things. We're safe, Mark. Around. We're totally safe, mate. You, <laughs> me and you don't need to worry about we, it. We won't be needing we a vaccine or anything. Fine. Um, we're, we're both trapped in loveless marriages. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're good to go. But, well, well, there we go. Well, you, on the yeah. other hand, I know that you're yeah, a very, you've got a very, very vibrant personal life. 
Congratulations. Yeah. He's wondrous. So, uh, yeah, but they um, also the rest of the world is largely we're not immune to pox. Mm. And a pox virus is different from a corona because, mm. you know, a corona is sort of uh, shaped in a spherical with all the little bits coming out. Yeah. With well, a picture of Bill Gates in the middle. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. And the Illuminati symbol. <laughs> um, the um, pox virus is actually sort of brick or oval shaped. Um, but it's not called a brick virus or an oval virus, but that's what it is. And um, it's a large double-stranded thing, so we'll get different graphics every, on after, the news. After two years on Twitter, everybody now is an expert. Literally, look at you, a biologist. No, I'm just excited about the different graphics we're going to have. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but there are different, uh, there are long-term complications. So if you are going to go to a nice sauna and you're going to maybe um, have some, you know, relaxed sex with people that you don't intend to perhaps see again, mm -hmm. then I've do... never had relaxed sex in my life. I just have to say, put that out there. Especially not in a sword. Sorry, sorry to reveal that to the audience. Morning, sorry. anybody who's watching the repeat. <laughs> um, yeah, then uh, you must be careful because I, th I think people are mistaking it for, a, for an STD mm. and then they're not being very careful with it. No. Oh, I see. And there so, are long-term yeah. complications no, I mean, to monkeypox. You can go blind. Okay, well, it is actually... <laughs> and the WHO are, are meeting, and in a serious are. thing here, they're, 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 the topic of conversation, they're talking about how the virus is being spread. Uh, it's an unusually high prevalence and gain by sexual men, and also the vaccination situation, and how this is an opportunity to get the rest of the world to get the chip put in them if they didn't get the uh, well, COVID Just vaccine. a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, my thanks to comedian Josh Howie and our monkeypox correspondent, Diane Spencer, <laughs> who will continue her TED talk about this rather exciting new disease. <laughs>Welcome back to Headliners with myself, Mark Dolan. A first look at tomorrow's papers. Tonight, reacting to those, the brilliant comedians Diane Spencer and Josh Howie. Saturday's Times next and more on this unfolding story about the NUS and claims of anti-Semitism, Josh. So, yes, the, uh, the NUS have now um, um, put someone forward to lead the in sort of internal inquiry, a QC, Rebecca, Rebecca Tuck, specialist in employment and discrimination law. Uh, has been appointed by the union. Uh, I mean, this is just too little, too late. And this is the National Union of Students. Yes, National Union. So we Union. should be worried that the next generation are institutionally anti-Semitic. Anti Absolutely. You would think that would be from, you know, horrible, bitter and twisted old people, no. not the young. No. Actually, 20 former NUS presidents have written over the last year to the organisation itself saying, sort your anti-Semitic situation out. Because they, the president-elect... Uh, it's someone who wrote, and it's not, by the way, this isn't about like criticizing Israel. When you, that, it's, it, you criticize Israel all you want, that's totally fine, that's, that's valid. But when you type out the words, Kaibar, Kaibar, O Jews, Muhammad's army will return, that is a reference to the massacre of Jews uh, in the year 628 by, um, um, uh, by Muhammad's army. And it's basically a call, it's a literal call to the massacre of Jews. And this is the president elect of the NUS. So, and it's not just that. Some of this, uh, she praised the uh, Muslim Brotherhood cleric, uh, Yusak al Karadawi. He called on God to kill Jews down to the very last one. And she said uh, that he was a moral compass of the Muslim community at large. So, I mean, I don't think she's very good at representing the Muslim community, let alone uh, <laughs> the, the National Union of Students. So, um, this is, this is, this do, is. Do they have, do these 
anti-Semites, alleged anti-Semites, do they have a get-out with the idea that they're just backing Palestine? Well, that's, is that well, their, that's what they think. Is that think, the fig leaf? Is yeah, that yeah. what they think? But that's crossed over a long time ago. Right. Are you and, buying it? No, not at all. Like I said, the, the, you know, Kaibara Kaibara Jews, when they're shouting this at these... Uh, at the pro Palestinian protests or whatever, that is a call to murder Jews. That's got nothing to do with making peace yeah. in that region. And it's not, it's just that David Hirsch, he's one of the leading academics into anti-Semitism in this country. Um, he's been attacked on Twitter by his, um, the president of uh, the Goldsmiths Student Union, who said that he was a far-right white supremacist. Here's one of the leading anti-Semitic um, professors in the like in the world and a, and a massive anti-racist campaigner. So to call him that is really despicable. And this is the crazy thing that that person who said that she has now been backed up by the head of his own union of the of the Goldsmiths Union of like lecturers UCU. So they've got a problem. It, it's just it's out there, and um, and I'm glad that the government frankly is stepping in to to sort this out. Too right. Couldn't agree with you more. What a what a truly horrific story. Uh, Saturday's Mail and the Ethics of Wolf Whistling, Diane. Yes, well, uh, number 10 says wolf whistling could still be made an offence because it's not been made an offence yet. Uh, you see, uh, this government advisor, Nimco Ali, who uh, appears to be uh, Carrie's best friend, which muddies the water somewhat. The Prime Minister's missus, of course. Yes. So Not, uh, not from Sex and the City. Not no. Carrie. Different Carrie. <laughs> I mean, me. that would kind of be called... No, it wouldn't. Oh. So there's uh, yeah. So Nimco Ali is uh, a government advisor, and is uh, and has actually said, which I love, outlining her stance. For me, I would specifically love for public sexual harassment to become a crime. Now you hear that sentence and you think, yes, that sounds appropriate. I mean, obviously you've got an argument here where some people will say, oh yeah, but wolf whistling's not hurting anybody. And I can see that point of view. However, it's when the person who's made the sexual advance then gets rejected, then what happens? Yeah. And the problem is, is that there are a few horrendously bad apples that completely ruin the entire cart for everybody else. There are some men who you'll walk down the street and they might say something nice to you. They might go, hello, darling. Or they might say, like, I've, like I don't want to flatter myself, but I've had it before. I've had somebody say, you've got a lovely smile and I, and I will literally I go, get you've got a lovely you. ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you? And do you? Each of an ass. And say. what do you do? You say, Joshua, leave I, me alone. Uh, <laughs> uh, we meet, we go normally to um, Bella Italia, which is a really nice... Oh, so you go straight in first contact and a date and a stuff like that. A carafe of red wine and we see where the evening goes. Yeah, well... Um, but, but in all seriousness, your argument would be that it, there shouldn't even be the first rung on that ladder that... Men should just know it's not a cool thing to wolf whistle. Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I don't... The problem is, I think that um, wolf whistling is a nice way of saying kind of, yes, you are attractive. I mean, but, but it can make somebody feel self-conscious. But equally, if you're having a, a day where you feel pretty good and somebody wolf whistles, I just spin around and go, thank you, and just so would you, carry would you, on walking. So what, what do you think? That, I mean, do you think, do you My, think that men should... Not wolf whistle at all. I have a... Hard, isn't it? I, it, it is a bit tricky because there are some men who 
if like if they sort of say something to you and then you go thank you they will then chase you down the street mm -hmm. and then when you say no no really i'm not interested i was just saying thank you because you said something nice then they'll start yelling in your face and i've had that as well so I've had both sides Sunday of the coin. Something tells me we'd be better off without it. Altogether? Mm. Now, what I find interesting is that this whole kind of article is taking place inside Pestminster. The whole... I mean, there are, there are 56 MPs who are being investigated for sexual misconduct. So, you know, Westminster itself is just full of sexual allegations. And they range from, from inappropriate sexual comments made at work to literally like MPs bribing people to have sex with them. And these are the people that are kind of debating these rules. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't sit very well. I think you're right. I think times have changed, Josh. I, I mean, I, I don't have any skin in this race because I can't wolf whistle and never have done for years. I've been trying for years, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, this. Uh, <laughs> well, I, to get to attract Mrs. Dolan, I used I used one of those dog whistles. You nice. know, the ones that only canines can hear. Oh, good hearing. Her, her ears just like propped up. He's gonna he's gonna go on Jimmy News one day. Primal. He's gonna get the big bucks. Yeah, she followed yeah. the scent. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the rest is history. In all seriousness, I think personally, the best thing that they could do: get into schools, teach nine, ten, eleven-year-olds. This is wrong. This is not received well, have someone just explain, this is what it feels like, it might seem okay, but actually it can really turn nasty or it can feel threatening. Just explain all of that and in 10 years time, when they're 18, 19, 20, the problem is gonna be mostly solved. I think it's young men or whatever, just not, some of them not knowing the effect that it actually can have on yeah, people. Yeah, there's better ways of introducing yourself yeah. to somebody you find attractive, and it's not by making a noise at them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> could I humbly suggest a, a flash of eyes and a smile? Would that, would that be okay? I think flash of eyes and a smile is quite nice, but, but then if that's not returned, go about your day yeah. and just go, oh, well, I tried. It's, it's when it turns a bit nasty and sinister and they start following you down Gosh, the can street. I, can I try that with you now? Go. Okay, so, uh, Daryl, give me a camera. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's Mark Dolan. Blimey, it works. <laughs> we better go back to the yeah. loo. Um, lots more stories to get through. Actually, should we do one more before we run? Let's do that. Saturday's Times. And is there anything Elon Musk cannot put his hands to? <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. Let's try. Somebody might get away with a little... Uh, uh, do you want to have a little massage? Um, so this is the Times. He uh, Basically, a SpaceX uh, paid flight attendant uh, was given a quarter of a million dollars, supposedly, to remain silent over... Uh, an incident or supposed incident. Now, what's actually a little bit more interesting this, I think, is that he said in a tweet a few days ago, I'm now going to vote Republican because the Democrats are just being so toxic in themselves uh, and expect people, expect the dirt to start coming, coming out about me. He wants to buy Twitter and restore free speech, yeah. which is letting right people have an opinion too. Yeah. But this is a separate... So the left, his, his sort of protective uh, tweet is to say, his, his uh, defensive tweet is to say, yeah. OK, I'm buying Twitter, I'm going to restore free speech. The lefties are going to try and take me down now. Well, as, but he said, basically, I'm going to vote Republican. So it wasn't really about him buying Twitter. He just said, I'm now going to vote Republican and now watch everybody try to take me down. Now, that would suggest to me that he found out that some stuff's going to come out and he's like oh I mean he's such a clever bloke that is a really it's like going oh I, I know I'm voting Republican so don't believe anything that anybody ever says about me uh, so whether the, there's truth to the story it sounds like he was allowed a massage anyway like he said oh I want a full body, full body massage 
Like that was it, that wasn't the issue. Like she, the person who made this complaint didn't say, "Oh, um, like I, he expected me to give him full." That was sounds like that was part of her job. But he then said, "If you take it further, I'll give you. I'll get you a horse." But here's the thing: mm. what is not being revealed in these papers is, did he also say he would pay for the stabling, or <laughs> no. for the hay? Also, like, the groom. The groom yeah, is just costly. Uh, all of a that stuff. A rosy cheeked sixteen-year-old to actually look. I just think the horse buying someone a horse is actually more of a hassle. I agree. Than when you've got a, you know, if it was like I'm going to give you a horse and pay for the upkeep and everything for ten years. I'd be like, okay, that's a deal. That's a good one. So that's that. And then he's saying, look, and now he's saying, look, this is all made up. If it's true, get her to name some stuff about my whatever. A scar or a tattoo. tattoo. What? Yeah. Which, what is going on down there with him? Yeah, but if anything, that is like, uh, it's kind of the benefit of having some kind of secret tattoo in a place that only somebody who knows you intimately would know about it. Wow, you thought this through. Mm. Well, I think that's quite smart, actually. If you're sort of a person who thinks is good, they're going to be accused of things that they haven't done, have a funny little tattoo put down there. Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers with me, Mark Dolan, and my brilliant guests, the marvellous comedians Diane Spencer and Josh Howey. Following on nicely from Saturday's Times, cocaine users are potentially in for a wake-up call, Diane. Yeah, right. Everybody in Canary Wharf, run. OK, so <laughs> what they might do is uh, they might um, change the way that we now monitor people who get caught with cocaine. So uh, first of all, you could be sent on a drugs awareness course, much like when you're caught for speeding, you're sent on a speed awareness course. But then after that, um, they're, they're thinking of introducing this thing, um, which is where you get assigned a colour. And it's based on a system they did in Hawaii. Um, and you get assigned like a random colour, like red, blue or green. Like, you know how they used to do the swimming pools where you'd go in and you go, and they go, right, use the blue lockers, use the red lockers. Yeah. And so then what happens is they randomly call you, like they go, right, today we're going to call the green group. And so everybody who's in the green group, their phone rings and they go, you've got to come in for some cocaine testing. Mm. And you have to go in and be randomly checked that you're not using cocaine at that particular point. So you literally, so what you're saying is, but then just go in and don't do cocaine in front of them. No, no, no. Like, it stays in your system for about oh, two days. Tests. Oh, I see. So I thought you meant, like, they'll call you in, put some cocaine, and then you're not... Don't do it! Don't do it. Stop! It's going to be quite they put it. They literally put one. it on your nose, and they go, don't oh, yeah. sit, and you sit there with cocaine on your nose. That's the test. Now, I am drug-free. I can't even have strong coffee. But... Um, and, and cocaine is against the law. But is cocaine such a bad thing in society? We're, we're talking, aren't we, about legalising cannabis... Uh, will there come a point where we begin to accept cocaine use? Because, I mean, as comedians, you'll know that it's rife among oh, audiences what? and comedians. Yes. yes. No, it's not actually, I don't think it is rife amongst comedians. Do you not? No, no I think that that image of comics has changed over the last it's 20 years. Right. I would say it was, or amongst a certain, but absolutely amongst the audience. And it makes yeah. gigs like unplayable because they think that they're funny. And well, we, I mean, we chat a load of old Tosh because we have psychological issues. Correct. You know, Whereas it gives them that same quality when they take cocaine. So now you've got two <laughs> competing groups of trying to sort of talk a load of old. Um, I'm not going to be defending cocaine, but I mean, is, is it, if it's so widespread in its use, do we need these measures? Or do you just go, right, well, look, it's bad for you. Yeah. If you want to have it, 
knock yourself uh, out. That sounds well, like you're it, defending cocaine. It well, doesn't mean, that's doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to defend cocaine. No, 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 don't but... get me wrong. I sell £20,000 worth of it a week. So <laughs> it very much pays the mortgage. Yes. I just don't, I don't partake myself. I'm like one of those madams in a brothel, you know what I mean? I just do the bookkeeping. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, make don't get high in your own supply. Yeah. Thank you very so. much. Yeah. Well, the, um, I think one of the issues could be that um, Kit Malthouse, the policing minister, doesn't seem to understand how addiction works like uh he maybe he should talk to the cabinet because they do <laughs> he seems to think that sort of by uh doing this system because apparently it has worked well in hawaii the reoffending rates have gone down yeah um, that's why they cancelled hawaii 50 the problem right. is yeah. is that Which hawaii 50 is, is a documentary had no about. had no crimes left Correct. Too good, too good a system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Hawaii. Same main... thing happened to Bergerac when they cleaned up Jersey. Yeah, all those antique dealers. <laughs> <laughs> they got to the bottom of that case. Sorry, Dad. That's all right. <laughs> you carry on. Um, but the issue is, is that um, it, it's all about imposing a quick sentence. So if you get identified with drugs in your system, you get quickly put into jail and then you come out. But it creates this kind of rotating door uh, where you're going in and out very quickly mm. of prison. And also it's all about drugs criminalization. Like there's nothing here about rehabilitation. Yeah. It's all about steadily increasing the punishments and not about working out how you can actually get people off this addictive but I also, But I did think that one of the things that was interesting was, was it wasn't about going straight to jail. It was also about, like, let's take away their driving licence. Let's take away their passport so they can't go to Colombia or whatever. Yeah. And come back. So there was like steps along the way. Yeah. But the point is to just make life such a pain for them and this testing regime or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think that they would just go, you know what, I'm going to have a pint instead. I, I think some heroin. To, to, answer, to answer my own question, I think, Diane, I think maybe as a society we should have zero tolerance to say, no, cocaine is not something our citizens should be using freely. A, it's bad for your health. Secondly, it can have a very detrimental effect on, on your personality, your mood. And then, of course, there is the issue about the huge human damage that's associated with the yeah. cocaine industry. Absolutely. Ah, but the question is, OK, so you've got that stance, brilliant, zero tolerance, OK. But then do you go down the route of criminalising it or do you go down the route of providing rehabilitation and sort of um, an actual method to help people get off it? Mm. So where do you go? Yeah, it's a lot. And we're talking a lot of people, three million adults reported taking cocaine in this country last year and at GB News we'd kill for those kill yeah. for those 2.5 million exactly of them right. yeah. are in Canary Wharf. Well, of course, <laughs> all of you watching are high on the content being produced by Josh Howie <laughs> and Diane Spencer. These two are what can only be described as a natural and legal high. <laughs> Saturday's Guardian and worrying news for every male medical student that has ever donated sperm to fund their weekend drinking sessions, Josh. Yes, so uh, the uh, Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority, HFEA, uh, has... Uh, it needs a rebrand, doesn't it? It does need a rebrand, yeah. Why don't they just call themselves... Sperm. The, 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 yeah. sperm. The Society of... Pe the, the Sperm yeah. Shop? Something sperm, like what about sperm... Sperms are us? Sperm are us, yeah. Yeah, but well, that's, that's where they donate eggs. Uh, I've tried to donate eggs. They've been rejected. Eggs and oh. sperm? Yeah. Eggs Sorry. and spam? Anyway, look. Uh, they're basically saying, at the moment, you get anonymity until the child is 18. And then when the child is 18, it could be that the, that child can then look up and find out who their who their donor was. They're now saying, let's just scrap that because of because of the uh, pro uh, how prolific all these um, uh, 
genetic testing prolific? Is that the right word? Because yes. uh, yeah, so there's a lot of these uh, these genetic testing centers around. It's quite easy to do. People have been like half brothers, half sisters, have been finding each other. So they're saying, well, there's no point restricting that because people can find out earlier than when they're 18. But it's a nightmare if you thought you were donating your sperm or your eggs anonymously, and then you get a knock on the door and go, hi, I'm Steve, I'm your son. Yeah, yeah, but also then there's the question of nature versus nurture. Because obviously you are biologically linked to this person, but if you get a knock on the door when they're 18 and it's 18 years later, <coughs> you, I mean, you biologically you might be a parent, but psychologically you certainly haven't been. And what about the what about the parents in all of this? What about like the the people who have brought up the donated yeah. and loved that person yeah. and been no, I love you, you're my child. Yeah. And then they're like, but you're not real. But what do you mean? What do you mean not real? What is yeah. real? I like, don't know. I'm terrified. After you yeah. when you're ill is real. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm terrified of like a you know some eighteen year old little bull child rocking up at my door. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> glasses. <laughs> glasses. You know, beard. beer, yeah, beer, yeah, just, you know, um, and with lots, many problems. Uh. <laughs> well, look, I think there can't be too many Howies in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Um, let me tell you. Um, okay. Right. I'll, get, uh, I'll, get, I'll start donating right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this from the Daily Mail. There's been a bit of outrage directed to the Royal College of Nursing, Josh. And what's happened? Yeah, so I mean, it, it seems like every few days we're getting one of these stories, like a library's hiring in, in someone very inappropriate. There was in Bristol, there was this uh, sort of the sex show for five-year-olds. And now the Royal College of Nursing uh, for, had the super camp drag story time event and for a bunch of toddlers for zero to seven. Uh, and it just, uh, uh, to celebrate LGBTQ+, and this is frankly what happens when you put the... TQ plus onto it, that that is somehow what 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 are these sort of five year olds four year olds learning by seeing the super camp drag story time event and a lot of nurses were quite annoyed because they pay two hundred pound a year to be part of the Royal College of Nursing mm. and it's all about promoting sort of um, their workplace situations and it's about negotiating pay for them and the Royal College of Nursing is supposed to look after them in a workplace sense. How does this help them? It does not. Like r raising awareness about LGBT nurses and how they work in the workplace and focusing on them. That would be a better use and of their the needs. money. And sorting yeah. out yeah. sorting out nurses and their pay and conditions yes. and what they've yeah. been through during the pandemic and addressing nurses who have to go to food banks just to eat. But not putting on a pantomime for toddlers because then the Royal College of Nurses is assuming that all of their nurses, A, have children, and B, have children of a particular age. So they're well, putting on this thing. Big business, uh, I don't think corporations, uh, trade unions, the public sector, they're, they're all going for this. I think they're getting their foot in the door with trans ideology at an early age. Josh, what do you think? Yes, I think that's exactly part of it. It's been recommended by Stonewall and pushing the, through these things. It's selling a message yeah, to kids that, oh, look, you think you're a boy or you're a girl, but not necessarily. If, you, if you're a boy that plays with dolls, maybe you're a girl, which is a conversation I don't think a five-year-old should be having. I mean, yeah, when you're 18, knock yourself out, as far as I'm concerned, but not yeah. when you're five. Yeah. yeah. Go When you're 18, find out who your real parents are. 
<laughs> and, uh, and sort out uh, your, your gender issues. Uh, let's go to the Daily Mail now. 4,005 years ago, offal was the go-to feast in Stonehenge. How could they possibly know that, Diane? Oh, well, um, so this is wondrous. So um, a group of archaeologists have been studying something called coprolite, which is fossilised poop. And what they have discovered is that um, uh, the Stonehenge inhabitants feasted on offal because when they uh, analysed uh, poop that was 4,500 years old, uh, they discovered that they had not cooked their poop very well. Uh, cooked the poop, cooked the offal. Jeez, Louise, Sorry. that's some bad... Sorry, that's some bad times are bad cooking. <laughs> times are hard around at Spencer's house. <laughs> so, uh, essentially, there are a couple of Neolithic sites where a lot of people used to hang out, and uh, one of them is uh, Durrington Walls, and that they, they found loads of things. The archaeologists found loads of things there where they said, look, there was a settlement here, people cooked and ate and stuff like that. Wondrous. Yeah. Stonehenge, less so, even though it's more of kind of a famous sort of site. Um, and they did discover that um, in the coprolite, which is the fossilised poo... Crapolite. Uh, pronounced crapolite. Is it pronounced crapolite? No. No, it's not. <laughs> it could easily be. It's a good headline. Um, they uh, discovered that um, there were worms. So basically, Neolithic TripAdvisor, if you're going to go to Stonehenge, do not eat the food. It's not cooked. Yeah. Offal is the entrails and internal organs of an animal used as food. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's literally clues in the name. It's 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 awful. It's awful. 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 Uh, have you either of you eaten awful? I have never been to Scotland, and uh... I have tried haggis. Like, because obviously that's oh, a haggis, you. isn't it? It's and the I blended... love haggis. Haggis yeah, is so delicious. Yeah, so you have. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? <laughs> I've seem to think that four thousand five hundred years from now. They're going to know that I ate McDonald's today. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> They'll be going through that famous Howie stool going, what's he, what's he add through his system? What's this oh reveal? We've got, we got a Big Mac, we've got nuggets, trace elements of cocaine. <laughs> Not trace elements. <laughs> Most of it. Lows, yeah. It's a big white rock. Uh, yeah. So what's going to preserve it? Uh, we definitely, yeah. definitely jest on that one. Um, this is from The Guardian and a comedy gig gone wrong, Josh. Uh, yes, yeah, so... Uh, this is a very John Shuttleworth. I don't know if you're a fan of John Shuttleworth. Very funny comic. Uh, was doing a gig um, in, at, sort of in a cavern, and basically it turns out this man was walking, trying to find the gig using his sat nav on his phone. Got totally lost and basically fell in the top of this cavern. It's, named, it's known as Devil's Anus, and uh, and so they had to cancel the gig because they were afraid that he was going to like knock stop stones onto the head or whatever. So these poor Radio Four listeners. <laughs> uh, didn't get their John Shuttleworth gig, so there's a lot of very angry... Uh, John Shuttleworth, this is a wonderful sort of downbeat but sort of poetic northern character. Yes. Played by the comedian Graham Fellows. Yes. Brilliant yeah, stuff. He's very, yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah. So, but so it's a sad reason. That is a pretty good heckle, though. <laughs> Literally someone trying to fall on your head. Has, <laughs> has anyone ever faced physical peril at one of your shows? I, well, I have, obviously, many times. Yeah. I've had quite... Quite a few people try to attack me over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising, the audience might be surprised. Chris, but, uh, Chris Rock situation. Really rub people up the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's why we love you. We yeah. wouldn't change a thing. Uh, the Daily Mail next. And I think this story proves that dolphins are culturally British, Diane. I've always thought it. Oh, well, well it's interesting yeah. because the dolphins will form an orderly queue. Apparently, there is a certain type of coral that they use as a medicine for skin ailments. Oh, and, um, Yeah, it's quite wondrous. So what they've discovered is that these dolphins, first thing in the morning, they'll get up. There's a particular type of coral that they love to sort of shimmy and rub up against. So when they it's do more this... More than Loughborough Uni... 
drama degree coming through yet one more time. Finally, she gets to do a dolphin against the coral impression that she's been working on for 20 years. I've been waiting yeah, for yeah. this. Well, I think that taxpayer's money was not wasted. No. So that you could learn tricks like that. And what happens is they rub against this coral and it releases, the polyps release all this kind of special mucus. And this oh, by the way, I do that at my local swimming pool. <laughs> what are you rubbing yourself against at the local swimming pool? Well, if it's not an elderly swimmer. <laughs> it's, a it's, a, it's a trans woman dressing in your... I get coming yeah, to the, I'm very. I know. I've, you know. It's you know. It's, if they're producing that's, mucus, that's of, you should not be rubbing against them. Okay, that's get, how you that's, get monkeypox. Monkey I find it very exfoliating. <laughs> got to say. But it's really good for the dolphins. Super spreader. It's really good oh, for their them. skin, and they, they have a little dolphin spa first. Yeah. In, but they queue. They queue. So they so they don't push in, and they sort of because it's only one particular type uh, of coral. Just briefly, uh, dolphins <laughs> overrated. <laughs> you, want to, you want to go to the real cause. No, they're great. And also, they, they tell each other apart by tasting their urine, just like how I knew when Mark entered the building. <laughs> there you go. Um, my thanks to the brilliant Diane Spencer, the brilliant Josh Howie. Uh, also, thanks to our brilliant production team, uh, of course, uh, Martin, Daryl, Louisa, and particularly Maudie, brilliant new member of the team. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 